I invite you to turn to uh, Psalm 130 um, as we uh, look into God's Word this evening. Psalm 130. I'll be reading the entire psalm, but but my remarks are are going to key on verses uh, 3 and 4, and particularly on verse 4. So we're we're going to consider today um, the fear of God as it relates to his goodness. The fear of God as it relates to his goodness. This is uh, God's word for us. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, uh, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all uh, his iniquities. Uh, This is God's word. Uh, Join me in prayer. Father, we are are looking to you this evening um, to um, school our hearts in how you want us to respond to your goodness. And we pray that you would um, help us when we are too weak, um, too too passive, um, and do not fully grasp or more adequately grasp uh, either our sin or or your wonderful grace, your astonishing grace. And so be our teacher uh, through your word tonight, Holy Spirit. And let each one of us take something significant away with us and may it guide us as we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Fear uh, can be a confusing thing uh, in the Bible. Uh, uh, Paul, um, Ed Welch, in his book, When People Are Big and God is Small, talks about a spectrum of fear that goes all the way from terror on one side to worship on the other. We are not going to try to unpack that huge spectrum. We are going to look instead more narrowly that there is a, a bad fear that is inappropriate for Christians and there is a good fear and we want to understand uh, what each of them is just a little bit more. And we see this, from example, the text in 1 John 4, verse 18. Listen, fear is mentioned in two different ways. Um, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected uh, in love. The gospel frees you from this kind of fear. Love casts out one kind of fear, but creates another kind of fear. And that's what we see in in, in, uh, Psalm 130, verse 4. The gospel frees us from fear... Um, and frees us to another kind of fear. I want to make four statements tonight and then unpack each one of them as we consider this from from several different uh, per- perspectives. 
Um, the, the first is this, that knowing God's goodness produces fear. Knowing God's goodness produces fear. Now, when we normally think about, about uh, confessing our sins and confronting the fear of God on, and, and finding forgiveness, it goes something like this, this kind of sequence. We're aware of our sin. We move then to the fear of God, appropriate, which compels us to confess our sin, also very appropriate, and we enjoy God's forgiveness. That's what we generally, that's how we generally move mentally and in our practice. This psalm does something else that is staggering, I think. And it says, it deals with our sin. Oh Lord, if, if you should mark iniquities, oh Lord, who could stand? I'm right there. I'm a sinner. <laughs> I, I could not stand uh, uh, alone. I need your help. And, and then he moves, and then that implies confession. I'm taking ownership. So it's sin, confession, and then we're forgiven. And then comes the fear. That creates fear of God. With you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. We fear because God forgives sin. It is breathtaking for us to take, to get this, that we're grasping God's goodness and the mercy that creates fear within us. And I think it would be helpful to move to uh, Jeremiah 33 to, to sort of see how the Bible works this out. We've, I think this is a foreign concept for many of us. It sort of has been for me. So I, I, it perhaps is for you as well. So I want us to be thinking. Jeremiah 33, uh, let's read verses 8 and 9. Jeremiah 33, 8 and 9. God's blessing to his people, I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me, and I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me, and this city shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and a glory among the nations of the earth, who shall hear of all the good that I do for them. They shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity I provided. They will fear and tremble because of the good and the prosperity that I will provide. There is a joy and a praise that radiates from God's dealings with His people throughout the world. And the consequence is a fear and a trembling because the good God provides. There is a cleansing and a forgiveness and in these terms, even a material um, re return of, of blessings. Now, all of that good, all of that goodness, that goodness creates fear. So God's goodness leads you to fear God and worship in that fear. That's the first thing. God's goodness leads you to fear Him and worship uh, in that fear. The second point is this. Good fear is affective. But that doesn't go far enough. Good fear is affective. That has to do with causing emotion and feeling. It is that, but that doesn't go far enough. We usually say, in order to get around this idea of the fear of the Lord, we usually say, well, it really means about reverence and awe. And that's kind of where we end the story. Reverence, of course, being, a, I, I describe it as a holy hush, a deep respect 
But that is still too tame. Awe is a little bit better. Awe as, as a jaw-dropping amazement and a stunned silence. That's awe. But that's not far enough either. Uh, one of the main Hebrew words that, uh, descri- that is used uh, in, in, for which we translate in English this fear of the Lord actually conveys the notion of a physical effect of, of meeting God, being overwhelmed with delight, so you tremble in astonishment. The fear of the Lord is, is if you will, a knee-knocking amazement at God's goodness. as well as His holiness in other connections, but we're talking here about responding to His goodness. It is an intense, um, happy fear, a too-good-to-be-true amazement at what God has done. He's forgiven our sins, which leads us to fear. Well, uh, let's move to another Old Testament text to, uh, to, help, us, uh, to help us with this. Uh, and, and that is uh, that is in Isaiah uh, chapter uh, chapter five. Uh, good fear is affective, but that doesn't go far enough. And so we see in Isaiah uh, chapter sixty that God is it speaks of God's excessive goodness. And 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 listen to see how the the uh, ESV and many other translations deal with this. Then verse five, chapter sixty, verse five. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult. And really, what that is better said is your heart shall fear. This is the good fear, the thrilling fear. Your heart shall fear and your heart shall be enlarged. Your heart will be enlarged so that you will see and thrill at the goodness of God. The heart is enlarged to embrace God more clearly, to tremble in amazement because of his goodness. Uh, Spurgeon um, put, put it this way. Um, it is not because we are afraid of him, but because we delight in him that we fear him. It's a different way of looking at fear. Not because we're afraid of him, but because we delight in him that we fear him. It is trembling fear of God. And it is close to an intensity of love and enjoyment for all that God is that causes us to be really amazed. And how do we even put this in language? Our, our, we're, we're astonished. And, and our jaw has dropped in, in the midst of God's glorious nature. The first principle, first idea, knowing God's goodness produces fear. The second is good fear is affective, but that doesn't go far enough. It's not good enough to say reverence and awe. There is a trembling response of astonishment to God because of his excessive goodness. The third thing is good fear drives you to God, never away from him. Now we're talking about prayer. Good fear drives you to God and never away from him. Uh, there is a fear, of course, that drives you away from God. And we see that in uh, Genesis 3, for example. Adam, in his rebellion, feared God, as it says in, in that passage. And, and look at, listen to his reason. I heard you. I was afraid because I was naked. I was exposed. So I hid. 
there is a raw exposure here and a vulnerability. He is that a fear that drives him away from God. Martin Luther experienced the same thing. And this is his description looking back on his Roman Catholic experience for this, for a, a wrong kind of fear. Listen to this. Christ was depicted as a grim tyrant, a furious and stern judge who demanded much of us and imposed good works as payment for our sins. This makes us reluctant to go to him. If my conscience uh, is stricken with fear, I feel sufficiently repelled. My heart and bad conscience quite naturally shun whom I fear. My, let me say that again. My heart and bad conscience naturally shun or avoid whom I fear. Fear and terror prod and goad me away from him so that I do not stay with him. Not a good kind of fear. <laughs> the light of the gospel, of course, is that perfect love that casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. First John 4, again. Um, the gospel is a drawing us to God, of course, in, in, in our weakness and our sins even. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, Jesus said. Hebrews 10, let us draw near in full assurance of faith, with hearts sprinkled clean from an evil or a bad conscience. And the fourth point is this. Filial love, that is the love of a child for a father. Filial love draws you to the father's embrace. Servile fear drives you away. I use these words because they're what words that have been used in, in church history over the last uh, few hundred years to describe a certain kind of fear that is that of a son, filial, not, not that we use that very much, but it's a, it is the family fear, you, if you will. And the other servile fear is the fear of a servant who does not fully trust his master's goodness. Let me say it again then. Filial love draws you to a father's embrace. Uh, servile Fear drives away. Let me, I, I, I miswrote that on my outline. Filial fear draws you to the Father's embrace. Servile fear drives you away. We think of the prodigal son, uh, a great uh, and, and simple and clear example. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, he says upon his return. And of course, he's, he's, he's accurate enough. Um, but what he says next is, Treat me as one of your servants. I want to earn my way back into your graces. Let me have a back room uh, with access to the kitchen. That would be nice, Dad, but I realize I don't belong in, in, in the house. Listen, listen here. A, a servile frame of mind or a servile fear is deeply legalistic. The prayer of a servant doesn't trust God to be truly gracious. Um, we carry, and we can slip into this, even as as Christians who've been walking with the Lord a while. We can slip into some, this frame of mind. Um, it is possible for us to carry guilt rather than humbly confess it to God, until gradually we forget about it. We've essentially ignored it, 
and we are living our lives apart from the blood of Christ. Uh, Michael Horton called this Christ among he called it Christless Christianity. It's possible to live that way. We deal with our sin and our guilt by ignoring it, not taking it to the Lord, not being honest uh, with God. And it is a stark in stark conflict between this responsibility that we have uh, to, um, to have an enlarged heart that thrills with the goodness of God enough that we, are, we trust him with our, um, with our sins and failures and weaknesses. So uh, this, this, uh, the, the, the younger son uh, lived by duty alone without an enlarged heart that thrills in the goodness of his father. But of course, God gives him all the symbols of being home. He gives him the, the best robe and the ring and the shoes and the fatted calf and the, the celebration. He gave him all the symbols of home. He welcomed him there. So my, my contention here is that our hearts um, shall, in the words of Isaiah, I, I want to say should, but I, I, I can't. It, it should. It should. Your heart should tremble Tremble with good fear and grow wide. Your heart should be enlarged to the point where we tremble with good fear at God's, at God's goodness and mercy. I, I want to make two, two, uh, read two things from, um, from, um, the, the, uh, Narnia tales. Uh, um, Susan, speaking of Aslan, the great lion, says this, Oh, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? Um, I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. She's having a conversation with Mr. Beaver. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And elsewhere... They tried to look at Aslan's face just as they caught glimpse of the golden mane and the great, royal, solemn, overwhelming eyes. And they found they couldn't look at him and they went all trembly. Lewis picks it up. They went trembly. They saw the majesty of God and the holiness of God, the strength of God in Aslan. But they also had seen that Aslan had died on that big rock for them, that table. They had, they had seen his blood. And so they knew that they were, in fact, safe. Well, I want to make two applications then about, about praying. And I want you to consider what each one of these texts that we've talked about, how they, how they in, inform and direct our heart. But, but just two things, two simple things. One is that we pray humbly. We pray humbly. Uh, as uh, uh, Spurgeon said again, fear that leans toward the Lord because of his goodness. That's the fear that we want. Fear that leans towards the Lord because of his goodness, not away from him. And that means being honest about, as, as our text in, in uh, Psalm 130 says, be honest about those things. Uh, o Lord, if you should mark iniquities, who could stand? But confession, confession of sin, um, it, it clears the way, clears the way for intimacy with God. 
it clears the way for that forgiveness and then that, that, that heart that is, is trembling in amazement and astonishment, yes, in good fear that God has forgiven my sins. Uh, we um, are, are, he is happy to forgive and we tremble in amazement because he's good. We soak in his goodness. I, I'm, I believe that you and I, as I think long-time Christians, can snooze a little bit on this very point. <laughs> I think it is possible for us to lose amazement at God's grace and, and not tremble before him but be more ho-hum before him. I have to deal with that. I suspect, perhaps, some of you might as well. So we pray humbly to open the way up for God to uh, give us forgiveness, and then, and then we have that appropriate response of trembly fear uh, in his, uh, to his goodness. So we pray humbly. But the second thing is we pray boldly. Um, Luke 11, you may recall, um, uh, speaks of, Jesus speaks of a father, um, who, um, gives, a, a father who is, who is evil, gives good gifts to his children. He does that. The best of the fathers in this room have, have still may be called evil in the sight of God, and, and we give good gifts to our children. And God's generous, gener- God's generosity makes the best of the earthly fathers seem really chintzy. That's what Jesus is saying. The best of you make, make my father and your father absolutely chintzy up here. Or it makes you look chintzy. Um, how much more, Jesus goes on to say, will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? That's, that's what Jesus is saying to us. How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I would say be bold in asking for not to receive the Spirit that occurs at our, uh, at our, our, Christ, at our coming into Christ. But, but the, the Spirit is, is a, that's how God moves. That's how God's power is expressed in the world and in the, and in the Christian life through the ministry of the Spirit, bringing the power of God to bear. That's what you want. So ask God for that. And God delights to hear impossible Cases changed by the Holy Spirit. So pray humbly. Recognize what God has given you and thank Him for it. And also then pray boldly. Uh, Let me just read a quote, uh, uh, verse 2 of the hymn that we sang just a moment ago. Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. None can ever ask too much. Let's pray. Our dear, heavenly, yet holy Father, our mouths are uh, shut up before you. We are humbled. If you would mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? We could not. But with you there is forgiveness. And therefore, there is a trembly fear. May that simple but deep reality um, affect us 
and deepen our joy in you and our amazement in grace. May that affect the way we pray here, yes, but at home, in our families, with friends. May it affect how we regard you. Holy Spirit, we're asking for you to be with us tonight as we, as we pray. Um, give us humility. Give us boldness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.